as a man, you're always a little intimidated to speak about women's experiences of pregnancy, so um, you all know I'm an incomplete messenger on that one, but um, they're there, and they're really amazing stories, and so regardless of your gender, we should talk about them a little bit. Um, I think it's true that the, the news of um, an impending birth, a pregnancy, um, is often, but not always, greeted with great joy. And a birth is often, but not always, greeted with great joy. But however that goes, as children grow older, oftentimes um, uh, life will invigorate them and their parents in unexpected ways, and there will be change and prayers will be answered. So much so that many times um, what, what will eventually happen is that, that kids will grow up maybe beyond what their parents had even hoped. They're healthy. They're engaged. They do stuff. They have friends. It's exactly what you dreamed of for them, maybe even more. And, and then one day it kind of all comes together for you because like they and some of their friends are over at your house and they're just having a great time and all of a sudden there's this mass decision that they're all leaving and they're going to the mall or they're going to a park. And they all storm out. And then as a parent, you're, you're kind of left behind where they were in this room now filled with half-eaten chip bags and, and semi-crushed the soda cans because somebody thought they could do it on their forehead and it didn't turn out quite the way they thought it would. And a lot of times as a parent, you, you look at that mess that's been left behind and if you're in a good mood, you think, that was awesome, I love that my kids just are doing all this stuff. But there are other days when you can look at all of that stuff and say, man, there was just a party here and I wasn't, I wasn't a guest for sure and I wasn't even the host, I was just kind of like the hired help and you feel a little bit left behind. Now that isn't just limited to parents or anyone age span. Um, that sort of reaction to life's various events. Uh, I still remember really vividly in high school how I was part of this peer group of, of kids and, and there was this kid named Stephen who was kind of socially awkward, um, wasn't like involved in anything and, and so we kind of made this pact that we were going to invite him into things and we we're going to be really cool about it. We wouldn't like let on that we had all planned this in advance and I was in track at the time and so I invited him to come out for track um, and this was when we were sophomores and so he, had, he obviously hadn't been out for track as a freshman and in high school now you're kind of a year behind in the program. It's kind of a tough time to try out but you know, Stephen, why, why don't you try out for track? We can run distance together. Well, it turns out he was a, he was a really good sprinter, so he didn't run distance. And, and actually, by the time he was a junior, he qualified for state in the high hurdles and the triple jump. Turns out he was a spectacular athlete. While John Horner Eibler, at that point John Eibler, continued to toil in distance running anonymity, <laughs> never really qualifying for anything. And, and I remember looking back on it thinking a little bit proud that I was the one that asked him to go out, but a little envious as well. I'd been left behind. He was the star, not me. That's not how it's supposed to turn out, is it? Isn't it true in life, as per the children's time, that, that one of the things that's really hard sometimes is when somebody else has really good news in their life, 
sometimes we begrudge at them. Sometimes we don't have the energy to celebrate it with them. But when, when you do share good news and somebody is totally there for you with it, when they exult in it almost more than you do, that is just an amazing blessing because they add to your joy. And it's such a cool gift to be able to give another human being uh, to really share in their joy. Maybe in this season of gift giving, if you have one chance to do that, one chance to really share someone's joy, I hope, I hope you can do it. But the little, the little phrase left behind, I think, is really important um, for us to think about for just a little bit in terms of our kind of root reactions to the, to the, to the ambiguous and difficult, at times, things that come into our lives. Um, so the last two weeks, we've had these gospel lessons. Last week, Elizabeth finds out that she, after decades of not having a child, is going to have one. And it creates in her an amazing joy that Zechariah will sing about uh, in a couple of weeks uh, in our gospel lessons. And then, obviously, in tonight's reading, we have the, the famous story of the appearance to Mary. Uh, unlike her relative Elizabeth, she hadn't been waiting. She's surprised by this amazing news, perhaps taken back by it, perhaps even fearful of it. But she says to the angel, let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departs. She's left behind. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, do you think? If you're left behind alone and without resources, it's probably a bad thing. The angel, interestingly, tells her right off the bat that you're not alone. Your Elizabeth Zechariah has almost better news, and Mary catches on to that. That's the first place she goes. She goes to visit Elizabeth, and they share their common news, and Elizabeth um, greets her with an amazing greeting, and, and Mary sings the Magnificat. It's, it's overwhelming. She wasn't without resources. Who became her second biggest human resource? It's going to end up having to be Joseph. And you know how that, based on Matthew's gospel, we know how that conversation went in the first place. Oh, honey, uh, welcome home. Oh, hi, Mary, how was your day? Oh, it was really good. Have I told you I'm pregnant? That didn't go over very well. Because Matthew's gospel, thanks for, at least one person smiled at that. That was like kind of intended to be a little humor line. And went nowhere, but that's okay. I'll keep going. Um, for Matthew's gospel, he was going to divorce her. He could have had her stoned for adultery. He doesn't go that far, but he's going to end the relationship. Clearly, he wasn't an ally to begin with. Now, that happens all the time in life. We are looking for resources, and there are certain people who we're sure are not going to be there for their, us. Uh, certain people who we're pretty convinced are actually going to be our opposition. But we're wrong about people all the time in life. And this is the classic story of it, because ultimately Joseph gets Mary to Bethlehem. He gets her to safety in Egypt when Herod uh, beckons up against her and the child and then gets her safely to Nazareth. He ends up being um, uh, the best imaginable father and husband. He's an awesome figure. Mary at first was left behind by the angel, but not without resources. Left with even more. And we'll come back to her. But 
I just want you to think about kind of an alternative reality. So in the 90s and early parts of the 2000s, there was this big book series called the Left Behind series. Anybody read any of those? See a couple of, they did some TV and movie stuff with that too. So it was uh, a Christian literature based on, you know, uh, the, the apocalyptic literature, the idea that there's going to be this sudden end of the world. And as we often talk in here, the apocalyptic literature was really time-specific, really doesn't apply to our world, and actually, in many respects, is debunked by Jesus himself in the gospel lessons. But at one point, he himself tells this kind of apocalyptic story about how two women will be working in a field. One will be taken, one will be left behind. And that's where the, the title of the book series comes from. And he tells this very cryptic story. The, the, the one who's taken goes to heaven. The one who's left behind... It's not clear what happens to that person. They, they don't immediately go to hell. So what happens to them? And in the book series, that's, that's, that's what they work with. They then say, well, you know, all the bad people are left behind and all the ambivalent people are left behind, and then do they continue to be bad or do they change their minds based on the fact that they've all been left behind by the good people? But, but clearly the, the whole presumption of this is that um, they've been left behind. The Spirit of God has been withdrawn from their presence. Now, that might be a book scaries, um, but that's a very true human response, I think. In other words, individually or collectively, um, bad things happen in life. You find out you have a serious illness. You find out that a family member has been injured in an accident. There's an act of terrorism. Um, lots of stuff that happens to us individually and collectively. And it's for sure is one of our responses to feel like we're left behind. Where's God in the midst of all that? There can't even be a God if bad things like this happen. And so we're on our own. And, and we begin to think that resources are scarce and we have to marshal them for our own protection. And we will use evil against evil if we have to to protect ourselves. And thus the world continually destroys itself in a cycle of violence. Because we feel we've been left behind, that in the midst of whatever our turmoil is, the presence of God has been withdrawn. That's the apocalyptic mindset. And Jesus never goes there in the Gospels. And the evangelist Luke wants us to be clear on that from the beginning. Because I hope you've realized in the story of Mary that the second the angel leaves, by tradition, Mary's already pregnant. In other words, the moment the angel appears and shares the news and then departs, God couldn't be closer than God is to Mary. The Christ is already there, her child. In life's hardest most surprising, most I-never-saw-that-coming moments, the Christ draws near and provides resources that perhaps we expected, Elizabeth, and resources we never saw coming, Joseph, and a power unlike any other. It should not elude our attention that in Luke's Gospel, he will then include stories like the Good Samaritan, where someone's beaten and left beside the side of the road. And the most unexpected of resources, a Samaritan, someone 
that the Jewish people would have hated, seen as an enemy, would have been suspicious of, is the one who becomes the hero of the story. That's the person who shows up and is the face of God for the man who is laying there. This is the power of the season of Advent, that we are not helpless, that we are not alone, and that for sure in a world where there is much darkness, it is never incumbent upon us to add to it. It is our blessing to recognize how close the Christ child is, to light light in the darkness, to trust that love does have an amazing power, to not conform ourselves to the way this world tries to settle things over and over again. It's wrong. Jesus is right. Will you stake your faith and your life on it? Last week, Advent 1, we encountered Zechariah, who was made silent because he couldn't trust it, he couldn't believe it. We all fail. And that silence ended up being a blessing for him. It gave him time to think, to reflect, and then finally when he could speak, to speak intelligently and wisely about his son, John the Baptist. Listen well in the season of Advent to a God who speaks a different language than yours or mine. And then on Advent too, to embrace the fact that we have been left behind to do the work of an awesome Savior. And like Mary, man, to be able to say, let it be with me according to your word. I am the handmaid and the hand servant of the Lord. Let those be the first words off your lips. Done.